Amen. Well, I get the wonderful pleasure of introducing our special guest this morning. And I jokingly said on Wednesday night, Sarah, I apologize, in my, in my comedy tour that I was on, that I taught you everything you know because I used to babysit you. But then I quickly, I very quickly re- repented of that, didn't I? And I said, no, 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 I did not. <laughs> I made that very clear. Well, Sarah is a wonderful woman of God. She is a wife She is a mother, she is a daughter, she is a teacher. She travels the world with her husband. And I'll just read some of these places my mom wrote on here that she has gone. And I am 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 amazed that she has been to these places. Hong Kong, Cambodia, Philippines, Australia, Thailand. Her heart is for women. And that's us today. Amen. Her heart is for you this afternoon. She has brought a word with her. She um, focuses on, she's really involved in Cambodia, rescuing women from sex trafficking. Amen. And right now, if you, if you follow her on Twitter or follow Lisa Bevere on Twitter, you see their hearts and you see, and you read the things that are happening in the world. And it's been eye opening for me that this was even happening. We live in Lafayette. We don't think about those things, but it is. And their heart has been turned to those women to save and rescue those women. Amen. And so what an anointing, what a call of God on her life. She takes her two precious children. I think their pictures have been up there with her and amazing. How many of you would, you know, I think if I had to take my four children to Hong Kong, (laughs) they would kick me out of the country. I don't think they would even let me stay. They would say, you're done. You're done. Well, they would quickly receive Jesus and let me go. I think (laughs) send them on, send them on. But I am so honored and so privileged to introduce to you Sarah Worley. And she has come all the way from Tulsa with a wonderful word of God for us. Amen. Let's welcome her. Thank you, Lori. Give Lori a big hand. Isn't she awesome? She's so much fun. Well, I just want to thank Pastor Pam and Bill and John and, and Elizabeth and the whole, this, your whole church and staff. Thank you so much for just believing in us and helping us when God first called us to the mission field. Um, your pastors were one of the first to say, come. We want you to come share your heart about what God's called you to do, and we just appreciate your faithful support, and we honor you. I just want to say, you have incredible pastors, don't you? Amen. Amen. So, and I I know that um, Pastor Pam, you know, she has a great team around her, and I just have enjoyed spending time with Elizabeth and John and just hearing what God's doing here in the church and how God's expanding your reach. Amen? In this city. What a great place to be and what, what an awesome church to be a part of. So I just want to thank you. Thank you for your support um, as we're going into these different countries when God called us in 07 to move to Asia, to Hong Kong. Um, I didn't, I thought, God, I don't know wh- what we're doing, but you, you, if you've called us, then you'll direct us. And since we moved there, God has just supernaturally opened doors. And so this past year, since I last saw you, we've been in um, Cambodia and Thailand and Sri Lanka, Mongolia, India. And so in each country, we really have just been doing different things according to what their needs are. And in some areas, we do pastors and leaders training. Some areas, we do um, women's conferences and, and children's outreaches. In some areas, it's more evangelistic. In other areas, it's equipping believers. So it's really, in other areas, it's more humanitarian aid. So really, we've just prayed, Lord, 
you know what we're to be doing in each of these nations. And uh, we specifically have focused in on Cambodia. And uh, this past year, just God connected us with a pastor there that God told us, you help him fulfill his vision. And this man is in Kampong Tom, which is a very rural part of Cambodia. Um, but we've been helping him plant churches there in that region. He's now planted six churches. We helped him build a church this past year with, you know, along with all the partners and the people that have, you know, come alongside and said, hey, we want to help you to, to help the, the believers in Asia. And so we finished the church there and uh, several water wells, six water wells in those areas. And then right now we're finishing an orphanage, which I'm really excited about because uh, this past Christmas when we were there, um, I saw these 30 orphans sleeping on the church floors. And, um, and the Lord just expanded my heart and said, you got to do something about this. And many of these kids have been rescued off the streets. Some of them were trafficked, um, in the past. And so they've gone through horrific things. And so I said, Lord, how do I build a, you know, how am I, how are we going to build an orphanage, you know, and what do we, you know, what's that going to look like? But by the grace of God, all the the uh, resources and things are coming in. Uh, we recently got the beds. And so we're excited this Christmas, we're going to go and dedicate the orphanage. And these kids are going to have beds to sleep in. Amen. And plumbing. Thank you, Lord. So, and, and just, we're bringing a thousand gifts to all the children in that region and I'm just going to bless them during Christmas. So I thought just so you can see their faces, since you are a part of ministering to these, these young people. I thought I'd just show you a quick little, I think it's like a one minute video. You got that? And, um, just so you see, because you're an extension. I don't know if you know that you may not see their faces. You may not meet them personally, but you've sowed into these kids lives. You've sowed into the nations. And I know you have such a heart for that. And so I just want to show you a little bit about what we've been doing in Cambodia. Praise God. So I share that. It's exciting. This Christmas we'll be there. We'll be doing, um, as you saw, uh, feeding programs. We've already helped. We've connected, partnered with uh, Feed the Hungry there. And they've already been doing feeding programs. But we're bringing 10,000 pounds of food during Christmas and distributing that in the villages and then doing a women's conference and blessing the women there. You would be amazed at what a little dress and a toothbrush and bracelets do for these women. I mean, it just is lights them up uh, because they don't get that kind of stuff, you know? And so we're excited just to be able to bless them and, um, and finish up that orphanage and, and some other projects there. So you, if you want to just pray for us, you can pick up some brochures and see what, what's happening over Christmas. I think I have them out, out at the table, but thank you as a church for sowing into the to the lives of these young people and these people in Cambodia and throughout Asia. Everywhere we go, you go. Yay! Isn't that cool? <laughs> so, may not be ne- literally, you know, they're trekking along with us, but you're with us in spirit. And so I just want to say thank you. And I'm excited about the word today. God has given me something on my heart to share with you about having joy on the journey. Everybody say joy on the journey. <laughs> All right. So let me just read to you the passage that we're going to that we're going to live in for a few few minutes here. It's called it's at Philippians 4, 
verse 4. We're going to meditate on this, on this passage today. Philippians 4, 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, sisters. It says brothers, but I'm going to put sisters in there because we are sisters, yeah. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then he goes down in verse 13, and I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray as we get to the word. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive. It is not just a a dead letter. It is living. It is active. It's powerful. It divides between what is our soul and what is our spirit. And I pray right now that your word would just become alive in our hearts. I thank you for every woman that you've brought here. Lord, you know exactly what they need. You know exactly what they're going through. And I pray right now that you would strengthen them by your grace by your divine strength in Jesus' name. I thank you for giving them joy in the journey. Lord, bringing them peace that would guard their heart in everything that they're going through. And I thank you that you are perfecting everything that concerns them today. You care about everything that's going on in their life, in their family, in their children, in their finances. So, Lord, I thank you for speaking to us. We open our hearts. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what you're saying to us in this hour, in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 I love the word. (laughs) It is life. So we're going to dwell in this word today. I want to share with you a story. This past spring, we, I came back to visit my mom in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Caleb was still in Hong Kong at the time. And so I had my kids and we were going to go to the airport to pick up Caleb because he was coming into town. He had just done an outreach in Hong Kong. And so we get in the car. It's 11 at night and I'm trying to stay awake here. But I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a new route to the airport so I can get there quicker. So I've got Isaac, who's five and Elizabeth, who's two and a half in the, in the back seat. And you got to know my little boy, Isaac. He is very inquisitive. He has a keen sense of direction. He gets that from his dad. Thank God. <laughs> Caleb is like my GPS because <laughs> the Lord knew I, I would need help with directions. <laughs> but this time I did know where I was going. I knew the route. We were on our way to pick up Caleb from the airport and I get on this new road and all of a sudden Isaac starts in with his 20 questions. Mom, mom, where are you going? Mom, mom, this is not the right road. Mom, are you sure you know where you're going? Mom, 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 is daddy really going to be there? Is he going to bring me a present? 
mom, mom, how long is it going to take us to get there? Mom, are we there yet? How many of you moms know what I'm talking about? The famous question, are we there yet? I think we've all heard that. I think we've all said that at one time in our life. Are we there yet? I said, Isaac, calm down. I know where I'm going. We're going to get there in time. Your daddy's going to be there. Just trust me and enjoy the ride. Just relax. So he calmed down. And after that conversation, I began to think about my own relationship with the Lord and how so many times I have been the same way with my heavenly father in this journey of life, in this journey of faith, that I began to ask those questions. (laughs) Wait, God, this is a new season. This is a different route than I thought I was going to go. How many of you have ever thought about that? Maybe when God directs you in a new season of growth (laughs) or a new area, are we willing to trust God in this journey? Are we willing to say, God, you know where you're going (laughs) with my life as I've surrendered my life to you? And, and can we really enjoy this journey? How many of you think that God wants to in, us to enjoy the journey? <laughs> I don't believe God wants us to just go through life. Ah, I think I can make it. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, you know, we have to press through hard times. But I believe God wants us to have joy in the journey. And I really believe that it's a matter of us being like a little child And saying, okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I've surrendered my life to you. I commit my life to you afresh every day. And I trust you that you're going to direct my steps, that you're going to provide for me, that you're going to guide me, and I'm going to enjoy the journey. You know, the joy of the Lord is not based on outward circumstances or on hype, but the joy of the Lord is based on our hope in Jesus Christ. John 15, 11 says that in Christ, there is fullness of joy. No matter what we're facing, no matter what is going on around us, we can have joy on the journey. You can have joy in your everyday life. Do you believe that? (laughs) Tommy Newberry, in his book, The 4-8 Principle, which I've been reading, it's a great book, but he says, Joy is an outward sign of inward faith in the promises of God. Joy is an outward sign of inward faith in the promises of God. And I look at the example of Paul in Philippians. Do you know that he wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison? Paul wrote the the book of Philippians while he was in jail. Not a very nice place to be, right? (laughs) And here, throughout this book, he says 11 times, rejoice. The word rejoice is used 11 times throughout this book. It's the word chara, rejoice. Here he is in the worst situation, and he's telling the church of Philippi, hey, you guys need to rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I think about his example in Acts chapter 16. How many of you know the story of Paul and Silas? Okay, Acts chapter 16 in verse 25. Here's what happened. Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel, healing the sick. They cast out a demon out of a little girl who was possessed. And the people didn't like it. The government, the leaders didn't like it. So they threw him in jail. They beat him and they threw him in jail. And the Bible says at midnight that Paul and Silas, after they had been beaten, thrown into this horrible prison, and the Roman prisons were nothing like we have today. I mean, history records that sometimes those prisons were knee-deep in sewage. You know, people were knee-deep in, in, in just raw sewage. Nasty place to be. Dark dungeon. And here he is, Paul and Silas, at midnight. Acts sixteen twenty-five says that they began to praise and worship the Lord. They began to sing praise. How great is our God? How great is our God? They began to worship the Lord, even in a terrible situation. And what happened? An earthquake shook that prison. The chains fell off of them. The doors flew open. Everybody was set free. And the jailer was so afraid that he he tried to kill himself. And Paul and Silas said, no, 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 no. We're all here. And the jailer knelt on his knee and he said, what can I do? to be saved, to have what you got. You see, even in the darkest of situations, when we choose to rejoice, God can turn a bad situation and he can turn it out for our good. And he can use our witness of how we respond to bad situations. He can use that witness to help somebody else. And that jailer gave his life to Jesus Christ and then he invited his whole family And they all received Jesus Christ. They all got saved. You see, when we choose to rejoice, no matter what's going on, breakthrough happens. Freedom happens in our own life and in the hearts of other people around us. And you have that joy on the inside of you. You know what? Because you have Jesus. Sometimes we don't feel like we have joy. But the joy of the Lord is much different than what the world calls happiness. Happiness in the world is based on what you feel like or what material things you have or what, what's going on around you. But joy is based in our hope in Jesus Christ, in our faith in him, in knowing that he's with us, he's for us, he's directing our life. Amen. And we can have joy on the journey. So the first part of this verse that I really want to pull out is that Paul says that we need to choose to rejoice. Everybody say, choose to rejoice. It is a choice. It is a choice. Just let that sink in. It is a choice. (laughs) It's a choice. And I I was, we were recently in in a country this year where Believers and pastors are persecuted for their faith, for their stand for Christ, for their ministry. And I remember being in the presence of this pastor who had been there for many years. And he had such joy 
he had such a peace all over him. And I remember looking at him like, wow, he, I mean, this guy's angelic. (laughs) And I thought after all that he's been through, the persecution, he has such joy and such peace. I have nothing to complain about. (laughs) You know, sometimes when we get a little perspective about what other people are facing, about what other people go through, and they choose to rejoice in spite of their pain, in spite of their persecution, or in spite of, you know, a bad thing that's happened, it just gives us perspective. Okay, Lord, I can have joy no matter what, because my eyes are on you, not on what's just going on around me. My eyes are on you. My hope is in you. We can choose to rejoice. Why is it so important that you keep your joy? Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need strength to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. You need strength to be a mom. You need strength to be a wife. You need strength to be a school teacher or a nurse or a businesswoman or whatever it is that you are doing to fulfill your purpose. You need strength to be a light for Christ, to be a witness. We need strength for the ministry that God's called. Every one of you have a ministry as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a coworker. You have a ministry to other people. And if we have that joy, you know what? It attracts people to us, right? Like bugs to a light. Come on. You're like, I don't want any bugs coming near me. (laughs) Okay. Forget that illustration. (laughs) You are the light of the world. And you began to radiate his life as you recognize that you have the joy of the Lord. It is your strength. That's why the enemy wants to steal your joy. He is after your joy because he's after your purpose. He doesn't want you to fulfill your purpose. He doesn't want you to enjoy your life. He doesn't want you to be a light to this world. So he is doing everything he can to get you to live by your feelings, to get you to live by just what's going on around you. But you can defeat the enemy, right? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. So you can overcome the enemy by your faith, saying, Lord, No matter what's going on around me, my faith is in you and you give me joy no matter what I'm going through. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We can choose to rejoice in little challenges and in big challenges. I'm a mom of two toddlers. Does anybody else have little ones? Or you had little ones, you know. Okay. (laughs) I know on a regular basis, I have to choose to rejoice. You know, when I got I won't be crude, but when I, when I've got number two smeared all over the house, I got to, you know, by little children, you know what I'm talking about? I got to choose to rejoice, right? This summer, Caleb went to, he, we were in Hong Kong and, and, uh, he was headed to Mongolia for a, a leadership, uh, conference, uh, that he was speaking at. And I was going to have to be home with the kids, uh, in Hong Kong in our, in our apartment there. And I was dreading it. I did not want to be alone. I'm thinking, Oh no, you know, cause I, I don't drive there very well because it's on the other side of the road. I have not done very well. So I knew, okay, anywhere I go, I'm catching public transportation. I'm catching the bus or walking or, you know, and I got these two little ones in this big, you know, city of Hong Kong. 
and it's a little it's a little crazy and intimidating at times just to just to go for it but we go for it so i remember thinking i'm you know Caleb you can't leave me <laughs> and i was especially dreading it because just i i'd gone through a lot this year with my dad going on to heaven and i thought i just don't want to be alone i just don't want to be alone and um but i knew he was supposed to go so i said okay i'll be a good wife <laughs> i'm going to have joy in the journey <laughs> said lord i need strength because i knew i was i had some commitments there at the church that we help with in hong kong i knew i had commitments to do some things there that week along with my kids so i thought lord all right you're going to help me i remember that sunday morning i got up and i was scheduled to lead worship at the church there and of course we have a major mess that morning with the kids of course and then i locked myself out of the house <laughs> out of the apartment and nobody has a spare key so i'm thinking oh at least my children are out of the apartment i'm just going to catch the quickest taxi i can get get to church in time so we get there i'm leading worship i'm just laughing cuz i'm thinking okay lord you are teaching me patience and joy in the in the journey you know in little things but also you know i think about in big things you know my dad just went on to be with the lord in heaven this year and that's that was a big challenge for me to to just walk through and i remember you know so many so many things happened and right after he passed away 5 days after his funeral we were scheduled to go to cambodia and in the natural um here we had planned a big christmas outreach like we've been doing the last couple years and a women's conference and and different things and i thought god i don't feel like going i don't feel like i have anything to give i feel weak i feel exhausted i feel emotional and i i just don't think i can go what am i going to give you know 5 days after my dad passed away and I remember remember going to my mom and I said mom I I don't I don't know if I can go and she said Sarah I want you to think about Jesus in Mark chapter 6 when Jesus found out about his cousin John the Baptist who had just been beheaded it grieved Jesus cuz Jesus was close to his cousin and Jesus faced those natural emotions but she said in the midst of it he He tried to go to a solitary place and he was met with thousands of people. The Bible says, thousands of people that were wanting to hear from him, that were needing that were needing healing, that were needing, you know, the wisdom that he had. And the Bible says that he looked at the multitudes and he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd. And he gave out of himself even in his own loss. and that day thousands of people you know heard the word of god and then not only that but he performed a miracle they were hungry and so he took a little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish he blessed it and it multiplied to feed 5000 people that day and she said sarah i believe if you'll offer the lord your brokenness and you'll just reach out in love that God will do miracles. And I said, "Okay, Lord, I need grace. I need joy. I need supernatural joy." And she said, "Sarah, you just got to keep on worshiping. You got to just love on those people." And when I went, it seemed like, you know, maybe the opposite thing to do to give 
when you feel empty. But it was actually, I think, the most healthiest thing I could do. Because when I went, I just wept over the people. I was able to love on those women and realize they have been through so much abuse and so much hurt. We were able to love on these girls that had just been rescued off the street. We were able to bless them. We were able to, you know, minister to these different people. And God, in that, in that week, births in my heart, you got to do this orphanage. And I thought, you know what? On the other side of our pain is many times other people's destiny. If we will press through and say, Lord, I'm going to love. I'm going to walk in your supernatural joy. And it's not always a super hyper joy, you know, where you're, woohoo, everything's hunky-dory. But it's a supernatural joy that is deep within you that you know, Lord, my hope is in you. My eyes are on you no matter what's going on. No matter if I understand everything that's happening, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to rejoice. And, and God will do miracles. God did miracles in Cambodia. People were healed. People were saved. You know, and, and so God just showed himself faithful in the midst of that. And, and I, I share that because many times it is a choice. The psalmist David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Psalm 34, 1 and 5. So we can choose to rejoice. The next part of this verse that I want to highlight, verse 5 in, from Philippians chapter four is let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And I believe the point to to bring out is that how important it is that we walk in gentleness and love with other people. If we're going to have joy on this journey, that we have to choose to walk in the love of God to walk in gentleness and love with others. Mother Teresa said, a joyful heart is a normal result of a heart burning with love. She gives most who gives with joy. Joy is a net of love in which you can catch souls. Isn't that rich? If you want to write that down, she says, a joyful heart is a normal result of a heart burning with love. She gives most who gives with joy. Joy is a net of love in which you can catch souls. I found that it's amazing when we get our eyes off ourselves and we begin to look at the needs of others around us and we begin to love others, how joy comes in our own heart. We were um, in North Carolina uh, earlier this year and uh, we were ministering at a church there and we had been there all weekend speaking at this church and so we went to catch a flight out to get back to Tulsa that Sunday night and when we got to the airport all the flights had been canceled so the airport had shut down they said we don't even know if there's going to be flights out in the morning Uh, so we tried to rent a car all the cars had been rented so we finally we found one last taxi and we got in this taxi and I thought I'm gonna sleep because I'm exhausted it's late Sunday night you know, we had been going all weekend, and I thought, I'm just going to sleep. So I get in the taxi, and the lady that's driving begins to tell us a little bit about her life. And I had leaned back, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to sleep now. <laughs> okay, Lord. Because I had just been praying, Lord, direct my steps. And if you want me to share your love with people that I come in contact with, 
you know, give me the words to say. And so here we were in the car, and I thought, okay, I can't fall asleep. This lady needs something. (laughs) So I began to just ask her about her life, and she begins to pour out her heart. And she said her husband had left her. One of her children had died. She had incredible health problems, financial problems. I mean, on and on. Basically, she said, I feel alone in this world. She said, I don't really have anybody. And here, she, here we are. We're driving. About, it's about a two-hour drive. And we were able to just share with her about Jesus Christ. And I was able to encourage her that God had a plan for her life. And no matter what bad things had happened, that God could turn things around, that God could give her a future and a hope if she would surrender her life to Jesus. And that God could bring healing and restoration in her heart. And then began to talk to her about getting plugged into a church and told her the directions on how to get to the church we were just at. You know, we told her it's vital that you get connected to a local church because you need other believers around you that can encourage you, that can sharpen you in the things of God, that can be there when you feel weak, that when you feel low, they can strengthen and encourage you. So after all this, when we got to our destination, She let us pray with her to receive the Lord with tears coming down her face. And she said, you have no idea how much this conversation has meant to me. And um, so we were just able to bless her. And afterwards, when I got out of the car, I thought our little delay or interruption was actually divine opportunity for that woman. And sometimes in our life, The interruptions or the delays can actually be a divine appointment with somebody else, with somebody else that needs the love of God, somebody else that needs the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And when we give out of ourself, joy comes in our own life, and we're able to give that joy to somebody else. So love is such a key part of walking in the joy of the Lord. The next part of this verse I want to highlight from Philippians 4, is don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition or request, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And this is the, the, set, the other thing, that, the third thing that I want to share is don't worry. <laughs> Pray. You may be facing some major challenges right now, some huge needs in your life. And it's so easy for us, I think, as women to just naturally worry. Anybody else ever have that? Or maybe you have, maybe that runs in your generational line. (laughs) And you're like, my grandmama worried, my mama worries, and now I worry. (laughs) It's just natural. (laughs) But you know what? I believe that we can break that by the decision, by just becoming aware and realizing, wait, wait. Why am I so worried about these things? And instead of worrying, stop right where you're at. You could be driving in a car. You could be, you know, walking through the store. Wherever you are, you can stop. And if you have to, go to a restroom. Say, Lord, I give you this care. I give you this worry. I ask for you to work in this situation. I ask for you to give me wisdom. I ask for your provision. And you you pray according to what God's word says. God's word is that you prosper and be in health. 
God's word is healing. God's word is life and peace and wisdom. So you pray the word of God. You find, you know, you speak that out. You give your cares to the Lord. And if you have to, you know, just actually, sometimes I've actually lifted my hands and say, Lord, here is my care. Sometimes you have to just visually just say, okay, Lord, I'm giving this to you and I am leaving it with you. I'm not taking my worry back because it's so easy to do. You give it to God and then it's like, oh, five minutes later, you take it back. But cast your cares on the Lord. He cares for you and he will perfect the things that concern you. And it doesn't always come in our timing, but we can trust that God is faithful. His word is true. First John five, actually your pastor shared it just earlier. This is the confidence that we can have that if we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the things that we ask for. That's the confidence that you can have in your prayers. Your prayers are powerful. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avail much and you are righteous. The Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what you've done in the past, if you have confessed your sins, if you've acknowledged Jesus as the Lord of your life, he has made you righteous, right with God. So you can have confidence. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I come boldly and I ask for grace and help in my time of need. And I have confidence that you will fulfill your promises, Lord. You'll fulfill your word. I have confidence in it. Mark 11, 24 and 25 says, when we pray, believe that you receive and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive. So that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. And here's going back to the love walk. When we pray, we got to walk in forgiveness. Because forgiveness will open the door for those miracles to begin to happen. We've got to choose to forgive. So, and, and, and sometimes we don't even realize it. We pray and we're wondering, okay, why aren't things happening? Well, Lord, check my heart. Is there anything? Am I holding bitterness? Am I holding unforgiveness towards someone? You know what? Even if they've done something that is horrific, it is more helpful for you to forgive than for you to hold on to that. Because holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Haven't you heard that, that quote before? Drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. It only hurts you. It only hurts us when we hold that bitterness. So we got to choose to forgive, walk in love. My mom said this quote. She said, the happiest people on earth are those that are grateful, giving, and forgiving. I love that. The happiest joyful people on earth are those that are grateful, giving, and forgiving. So we can have, we can have that joy as we choose to forgive, as we cast our cares on the Lord, as we pray according to his word and say, Lord, you're working in my situation. The last, the next part of this verse says, and let the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God guard your mind. People in the world are desperate for peace. I mean, they, they look for it in a bottle. They look for it in a pill. They look for it in a person, in a vacation, in anything they, they feel like they can find peace in. But peace is only found 
in knowing Jesus Christ and giving your cares and your worries to the Lord and saying, God, your peace rules my heart. He's the Prince of Peace. Amen. He's the Prince of Peace. Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified says, let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all the questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, we are called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the peace of God act as an umpire. How many of you, anybody played softball here? Are you familiar? Okay. I didn't play softball or baseball, but um, I know I just have learned a little bit about the umpire. The role of an umpire is basically they call the shots. They call if you're safe or not safe, right? And when we let the peace of God act as the umpire, then if we start to step out in something and God's not in it. There's not peace. Then we say, okay, Lord, you call the shots. Your peace calls the shots in my life. And if we're out of peace, we need to check our, check our heart, say, okay, Lord, where did I get out? What do I need to do to get back in peace? Because there's been times when I got out of peace and I thought, okay, Lord, get me back in peace. What do I need to do? You know, whether that's casting my cares, whether that's forgiveness, whether that's, you know, apologizing to somebody, repenting, you know, What's more valuable to me is that I let God's peace rule and not, not think that just because I've got to hold on to some hurt or some unforgiveness or some doubt or worry that, that that's more important. No, what's more important? I want to keep, keep the line of my heart clear and open to the Lord. I want to keep that peace ruling and reigning in my heart. And that peace will give you wisdom when you're having those questions, as the, as the scripture says, when you have those questions in your heart, God's peace will dis- make those decisions and bring finality to all the questions that arise in your minds. Amen? So let God's peace rule your heart. Isaiah 26, 3 says, those who set their mind on the Lord have perfect peace. We have perfect peace as our mind, our heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want perfect peace. (laughs) Perfect peace. We fix our mind. And this is how we stay in that peace. It says down in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, sisters, this is what it comes down to. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Your mind is a battlefield. And that's why God's word says, if we're going to have that peace ruling in our hearts, we have got to take authority over our thoughts. We've got to choose to think on thoughts that line up with God's word. Thoughts that are praiseworthy. Thoughts that are hope-filled. Thoughts that are faith-filled. Amen? Colossians 3.1 says that we're to set our mind. You can actually set your thoughts. Some people think, well, if a thought comes in my head, I got to think about it. That's who I am. But you know what? Just because a thought comes in your head doesn't mean that it's of God and doesn't mean that it's even a part of you. If a thought comes in your head and it doesn't line up with God's word, you can take authority over it and say, nope, I'm going to replace that thought with what God's word says. 
I'm going to set my mind. We can set our thoughts. I shared this principle when uh, I did a women's conference in Hong Kong, and a lady came up to me afterwards, and she said, I can't sleep. She said, I am tormented. I see demonic spirits at night when I try to go to sleep. She said, I, I, you know, fear, I have so much fear. And so I began to ask her about, you know, her life and, you know, what was going on. And I found out she had been involved in uh, Chinese, uh, you know, ancestor worship. And I said, well, there's an open door there. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, first of all, and renounce that old way. You don't need to be praying to your ancestors anymore. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He's the only one that we worship. He's the only one that we serve. And then, so we did that. We prayed. She received Jesus Christ in her heart. And I said, now, greater is he that's in you than those evil spirits that are out in this world. So when they try to come in your door, you tell them to leave. You resist the devil and he has to flee in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus, his name is more powerful than anything else. And you have authority. So she got a little excited. Really? I said, yeah. And 2 Corinthians 10 says that you can take your thoughts captive. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's look. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. When a thought comes, when fear or imaginations come, the Bible says that we don't war, we don't, we don't battle against people, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. So the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So if a thought comes that doesn't line up with God's word, you can take it captive. That just means speak to yourself. Say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to think on, and whatever the opposite is of that, I'm going to think on God's, if it's fear, no, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I have perfect peace because my mind is stayed on the Lord. Maybe if confusion begins to come, Lord, I ask for your wisdom. And the peace of God rules my heart and my mind. Right? Or whatever it is. Whatever situation, you begin to speak God's word. You know, there is something so powerful when you speak something out of your mouth. You interrupt the lies of the enemy. You interrupt those, those demonic thoughts. And this woman, she began to do that. And I just saw her a few weeks ago. She came up to me there at the, the church there in Hong Kong. And she said, and I didn't even recognize her because she, she looks so rested. She looks so refreshed. I said, now, what is your name again? And, and then she reminded me. And I said, oh, so what happened to you? She said, I haven't had any problems since then. I haven't seen any evil spirits. She said, I have sleep. I have peace. And she said, I've been taking my thoughts captive. I said, praise the Lord. The word works. The word is powerful. It changes people's life, no matter what country they're in. The word works. Amen? And we can walk in that perfect peace as we fix our mind on the Lord. Psalms 4.8 says, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. 
So if you have had trouble sleeping or if you've had imaginations, you begin to speak that scripture. Lord, I lie down and I sleep in, sw- in peace because you, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I trust in you, Lord. When you speak that word, it's, it's powerful. And sometimes it takes saying it over and over and over again for it to get in your subconscious to really believe it. But I tell you, your words, you know, are powerful. What you say, what you declare over your life from the word of God is powerful because it's the word that changes our lives. Amen. The last part of this verse that we'll end with is Philippians 4.12 that says, I've learned to be content because I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So maybe you have some challenging situations that are ahead of you. And I want to encourage you, you can do it. You can do everything that you need to do. You can be the mom. You can be the employee. You can be the wife. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you through him. And that's where, that's where our strength lies is in him. That's why we got to stay connected to him. That's why we got to abide in him and seek him because he's our strength. He's our joy. Amen. So you can have joy in the journey as you choose to rejoice, as we walk in gentleness and love with others, as we choose not to worry but pray, and as we let his peace guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I want to pray for those of you that you have some major challenges that have faced you today even or this year. And maybe you feel like you're on this journey and you have lots of questions. Or you've had worry and fear on your heart or your mind. But today, you want to offer those things to the Lord and let his joy fill you. If that's you, I want to just pray for you. Maybe you've had challenges. Maybe you're going through something right now that you just need God's wisdom, his joy in this process. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. Okay. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. Doesn't matter how little or how big the the problem is. God cares about every detail of our lives. He cares. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And he loves you. And his plans for you are good to give you a future and a hope. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to offer those things to the Lord, to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If, if you've raised your hand, would you just stand up? Can we just stand up together? I just feel that we're to pray for you. I believe that right now as we pray and you offer those things to the Lord, that joy is going to come. Thank you, Jesus. 
Some of you have listened to the lies of the enemy too long. And today you're going to draw a line in the sand and say, no more. I'm not listening to those lying imaginations coming against my mind. Whether that's fear, whether that's torment, whether that's comparison, whatever lying imaginations, whatever it is, we're going to give it to the Lord and we're going to take up his joy. We're going to take up his peace. If you, if you stand, if you're standing, would you just join me here? I just believe that God's going to bring refreshing to your heart. You know, there are, there are times in all of our lives that we just need his strength, his refreshing supernaturally. And that is found in his presence. That's found as we worship him, as we offer all that we are to the Lord. So let's just lift up our hands to him. If everybody else, if you want to stand up to your feet, we're going to just worship the Lord. And I believe strength is going to come to you for the things that God's put in your heart. Some of you, I feel to share this. Some of you dreams are resurrecting today. Dreams that you've had years ago, God is resurrecting. He's reminding you that you still can fulfill those things that he put in your heart. Those dreams, those visions, those ideas that you you have buried because of things that have happened. God wants to resurrect them. He wants to bring healing in your heart. He wants to bring freedom from shame, from guilt. You see, nothing is too hard for God to fix. Nothing is too hard. Nobody's too hard for God to work in. Maybe you've come in with shame because of decisions that you made and you feel like, man, I, I, I put myself in this situation. But you know what? That's what the beauty of God's grace is all about. That when we come to him, we acknowledge our sin and say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your cleansing. That he cleanses us and removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He gives us newness of life. He says that we become a new person in him. Those old things are gone and new things begin to be birthed in our lives. So let's just, let's offer all that we are to him. And I know that each of you, you're going through different things, but let's just offer a prayer of surrender to the Lord. Can we do that? Just say, Jesus, all that I am is yours. I give you my life. I surrender. Forgive me of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive your healing. And I receive your joy. Now, right where you're at, I want you to just offer the Lord whatever worry, whatever thing has been on your mind. Maybe it's a problem with your children, with your husband, with your finances, with a friend, whatever has been weighing on your heart. Just begin to talk to the Lord. Say, God, I give you this care, this worry. Let him lift it from you right now. That worry, that shame, that guilt. Lord, we put our faith in you today. We put our hope in you.